we're climbing this mountain with our hands wide open. And as we were singing that refrain, there's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. I couldn't help but stand there and say, I'm lying through my teeth because there's a lot of things I'm clinging to this morning. So I want to invite us, I want to challenge us this morning to be honest with God about the things that we're clinging to that are not of him, the things that we're putting our faith in that aren't going to meet our needs, the things that we're hoping for, that we're relying on for happiness that aren't really producing the results we're looking for. God invites us this morning to climb this mountain, the mountain to God's throne room with our hands wide open, literally letting go of everything for the sake of the gift that he gives us in his son, Jesus Christ. Would you open your hands wide open right now Literally, open your hands wide open, close your eyes, lift your hearts to God's throne room, and let's ask for his blessing on our lives today. Holy God, it's so easy to come and sing these words and so hard to live them. We recognize, God, in our, in our heads that we need the, your gift of mercy and grace through Jesus Christ alone, and yet there are so many things that we hold on to whether it's people in our lives, whether it's financial security, whether it's some addiction or drug or activity that we pursue. God, there's so many things that we're giving our lives to that are not from you or of you that distract us from the gift that you have for us this morning. So God, we we open our hands. We climb this mountain today with our hands wide open. Would you take those things that are too heavy for us to carry and would you replace them with your burden, which Jesus said is light and easy. God, we thank you for the gift of your presence with us and you ask that you would bless us through your word this morning to learn again what it means to be truly Jesus' disciples, the one who came to give his life so that we might truly have life and have it to the full. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now you can be seated. (laughs) Good morning. My name is Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in our series titled, How Goes Your Walk? Asking the question, how goes your walk with Jesus? Recognizing that the life of discipleship is a life on journey with Jesus, on mission with Jesus. And we've been asking additional questions along the way to help us focus what that means for us as we explore God's word in the gospel of Mark. Uh, The first week we asked, are you on the path? Are you on the right path with Jesus? Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you understanding that Jesus came to reveal God's purposes and God's rule and reign in our lives and in this world? The second question we asked is, are you real with God? And, and we just got an experience of being able to do that with God. Are we, we recognizing that we are the lame and the crippled and the broken and the sinful who are in need of the mercy and grace of Jesus' love and his forgiveness through his sacrifice on the cross? The third question we asked is, are you united with Jesus? The whole purpose of walking with Jesus is to be in a growing, intimate relationship with him, to be united with him, not only in his purposes, but also in a relationship of love and intimacy and friendship. And today, if we're really on path with Jesus, if we're really united with him, Jesus is going to challenge us in the story to ask the question, are we really listening to him as our teacher? and as our master. Now, I don't know that we're going to have all the verses on the screen this morning. Is that correct? We're having little technical challenges this morning. So I'm going to invite you, even if we do have some of them up there, to turn to the original flat screen. 
and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. Uh, Actually, this Sunday, it really would help for you to have a Bible open in your hands because we're not going to uh, focus on any one section of verses 1 through 34, but we're really going to look at some of the connective tissue between these parables that Jesus uses to help us understand the kingdom of God in our lives. And so he starts off in the verse 1 of chapter 4, Uh, by going out to teach at the lake again. And again, we see in the story that the crowd gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. People were so attracted to Jesus that they were pressing him in on all sides. They were trying to touch him to see if they could get healed. And so we learned last week that his disciples had to put him in a boat and put him out on the water so he could continue to do his teaching ministry. And so this is continuing to go on here. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. Now, I want to pause there because he starts going into the parable of the sower and the seed, which we've actually spent a lot of time on in our congregation, on understanding how uh, Jesus came to sow the seed of the word of God. And there's four different kinds of soil, and the soil represents the hearts of human beings and their receptivity to the word of God. So he goes on to talk about the soil and the seed. But then he comes into verse 9, if you skip over the, the story there. It says, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear... Let them hear. So, so Jesus is concerned about how we're hearing, how we're listening. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that, and he's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 here, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then he goes on to explain to them the meaning of the parable of the sower and the seed. But then he goes on, and Mark includes other parables in connection here. And he talks about a lamp on the stand. And after that, he continues in verse 24 saying, Consider carefully what you hear. Again, Jesus' concern is for how we're hearing, how we're listening. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Then he talks about the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. And then the section gets wrapped up in verse 33, where Mark says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that in Mark's writing, he's connected these particular parables in this way to help us understand this larger context of what Jesus is trying to help his disciples and us today understand about this idea of the hiddenness of the kingdom of God and this mystery that Jesus has come to reveal to each one of us. The explanation of the parables that Jesus gives in verses 9 through 12 is he's, he's saying, I'm setting you apart as my disciples from those who are the average general listeners. There's these huge crowds, but, but for those of you who are my disciples, I'm setting you apart as insiders who will get to hear the explanations of these teachings. To everybody else, it comes in puzzles or riddles or parables, but to you, you'll receive the explanation and the understanding of what these stories mean and how they apply to your life personally. 
To them, he says, they have been given this gift of understanding the mystery of the kingdom of God, while outsiders will only hear puzzles and riddles. Now, he goes back and he quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 10 there by saying, they will be ever hearing but never uh, perceiving. They they will uh, be ever seeing but never understanding. Uh, Because if they would, they would turn to God and find healing. Or Jesus said they would turn and find forgiveness. Now, what scholars are suggesting here is that Jesus isn't setting up an exclusivity of the insiders and the outsiders. What he's saying is those who are on the outside are on the outside by their own choosing. They're choosing to stay on the outside because if they were to come to the inside to, to really seek the meaning of Jesus' teaching, they would have to apply that to their life and say, how does this transform me and how do I have to change my life based on what I'm learning about the kingdom and the reign of God in this world and in my life? But they don't want to do that. See, so they stay intentionally on the outside. They don't really want to know what the true meaning is because if they did, they would have to change and submit themselves to God's rule in their lives. And so he says the hiddenness of the kingdom of God is, is a kind of a mystery. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a puzzle that's hidden that can't be found out, but biblically, this idea of a mystery refers, refers to something that is unknowable unless it is revealed to us by divine revelation, unless God chooses to help us understand his purposes and his ways. Behind this is this Old Testament idea that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not the ways of humanity. His thoughts and his ways are so much higher than our ways that we can't ever hope to fully understand or comprehend them unless he chooses to share them with us, to reveal them to us. They are, in that sense, his secret, which is not obvious to our own human wisdom, but he can reveal to those to whom he chooses to reveal them. And in Mark, it refers to this heavenly truth that is concealed from general human understanding, but is made known to God, is that Jesus is the Son of God, and he's come to reveal this secret mystery of God's kingdom on earth. That's why Jesus came. Yet knowledge and understanding also require, Jesus is saying here, connection to him and a willingness to submit ourselves to listen to him in a way that we really want to know the answer for our lives personally. See, part of the mystery is that the coming of the kingdom of God is veiled in this human person of Jesus. It's veiled in the work and the words of Jesus, so much so that that in our own human wisdom, we would never have guessed or imagined that the Messiah of God, the, the Savior of the world, would do his work by dying on a cross. I mean, there's no human wisdom that ever could have come up with that scenario as the answer to our human plight, is the death of God's own son. You see, the secret identity of Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God is revealed to us as the readers in the very opening of the Gospel of Mark. But for all of those characters in the story, it remains a hidden mystery that they have to seek out and gain understanding by coming to Jesus in their desire to be his true disciples. Those who think the things of men don't perceive that it, with God, defeats turn into victories, that the rejected one is also the chosen one, the, the very cornerstone upon which God is building his kingdom, that the risen one is the one who was crucified, and that through him the kingdom of God advances in this world, not just through miracles and power, but through suffering and persecution and even death. That's not a message that makes headlines, 
That's not a message that, that you can market well. <laughs> That's not a message that sells products. Well, I guess a lot of products have been sold you know, on the, an attempt to build that message. But see, only in the final stage of history will we come to truly understand this incredible reality that has broken into the world through Jesus. Outsiders see no revelation of the kingdom of God in Jesus' miracles and in his teaching. The secret is revealed only to those who respond to Jesus in hearing and coming to him to ask the follow-up questions. Did you catch that? It was his disciples who came to him after hearing the teaching and said, what is this all about? Tell us more. We want to understand what this means. Now, the door was open for anybody who heard him teaching to come and listen to him, but it was only those people who genuinely wanted to know how this teaching impacted their life that came to him for the follow-up explanation. Disciples, as insiders, are not smarter than other people. They're not quicker at other pe- than other people. They're, they're not able to unravel mysteries in some unique, wired way other than uh, other people. The mystery is something that is given to them because of their desire to come and be in relationship with Jesus Christ as their teacher. To, to spend time listening to the explanation and seeking understanding as it applies to their lives personally. They are the ones who have turned to Jesus for healing and forgiveness. They have come to Jesus for the parables to be explained, and it is his grace that unlocks the mystery for them because of their relationship and connection to him. You see, Jesus' goal in this whole uh, section is not to exclude anyone from the kingdom of God, but to turn outsiders into insiders. That's the whole point of the parable of the sower and the seed, right? He casts his seed on all kinds of soil. It's the, it's the choice of the soil to, to be what kind of soil they're going to be. There's the, the hard path that, that doesn't even accept it, and Satan comes and takes the seed away immediately. There's the, the rocky soil where the roots start to go down, but then they get choked out because they have no depth. Or there's the thorny soil that the plants begin to grow, but then they get choked out by the weeds and the concerns of life. And then there's the, the good soil that actually receives the word, allows it to implant itself in, in, in deep, and then it grows and it produces a crop, a harvest. It produces fruit, which is ultimately the goal of being a part of the kingdom of God is that our lives become fruitful in exhibiting the righteousness and the goodness and the love and the mercy of God in us. Jesus casts the seed on every kind of soil. His purpose is not to conceal the light, but in the parable of the lamp on the stand is to reveal the light so that it shines for all to see. But this is where he comes in verse 23 and says, we have to be careful in how we listen. Listening is the key to how we come to Jesus and find meaning and purpose in the kingdom of God. In verse 23, he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Or you might say, consider carefully how you hear. So there's two ways that we can approach this. First is, we could say, well, we need to take time and care to reflect on the things that Jesus is teaching so that we can understand as best we can what what it means. And that, that's true, that's a part of it. But, but I think the deeper meaning here is that we need to be intentional about how we hear and why we hear. Why are we coming to Jesus for understanding? Is it so that we can 
gain you know, access to his grace for our own purposes? Or is it so that we can truly be transformed by the power of God and God's word in our lives? This is why he goes on to say, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. And in verse 25, whoever has will more be given. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. Now, these are kind of parables in and of themselves, right? They're kind of these mysterious phrases. But scholars suggest that in ancient times, these were, were more common knowledge phrases about the economics of their day. This was how they did things back then. And uh, one of my professors in seminary, Bobby Clinton, said, in here you see in Jesus' teaching what he called the little big principle. Or this idea that the person who is faithful with a little bit will be given much or will be given more. You see, it was a general economic principle in ancient times that we see reflected in Jesus' teaching in relationship to spiritual realities as well. It assumes that our faithfulness and wise stewardship of the small things that God gives us leads to greater trust and trustworthiness in our relationship with God, which leads in turn to greater investment of God in our lives and greater responsibility and understanding of the kingdom of God at work in us. Now, in Jesus' day, items weren't purchased in prepackaged amounts that were weighed on digital scales that had, you know, grams to the .00 whatever numbers that we all track and monitor today with all of our uh, products and things that we buy. They were measured in larger standard-sized vessels that people just dumped stuff into and said, you know, here you go. You get one measure of wheat or one measure of grain. And they had all different kinds of containers that they would use to measure products. Now, depending on how a merchant chose to fill the container, the merchant could be generous in trying to maximize the amount of product they got into the container, or they could try and be stingy and try and minimize the amount of product they got into the container. And it was well known at that time that some people were intentionally trying to cheat others by affecting how much product they could get into the container. And so this phrase, this idea is that uh, there was this hope that God would bless the generous merchants who were trying to maximize their product, and God would punish the cheaters who tried to minimize and cheat people out of product by how they filled these containers. It, I, I, when I worked at, uh, I didn't know, I was going to say Starbucks. Gosh, that's so bad. I worked at Pete's Coffee, not Starbucks. <laughs> Pete's is so much better than Starbucks. I worked at Pete's Coffee for about five months uh, in between ministry jobs a number of years ago, and I learned to be a barista, and we ground coffee and all those things. And one of the things that was really interesting that I learned is when you grind fresh coffee and you take one of those one-pound bags like you can buy at Starbucks or Pete's or other places... If you fill the fresh ground coffee into that one-pound bag, it'll fill up really fast. And if you weighed it on a scale, it wouldn't be one pound. So you have to kind of fill it up once, and then you take that and you shake it, and you drop it on the counter and you pound it down, and that coffee compresses from like a full bag to about a third of a bag. And then you put more coffee in, and then you do it again, and then you put more coffee in until you fill it up to be a true one-pound bag. Luke, in his gospel, shared this same kind of idea when talking about the generosity of our hearts in verse thir- chapter 6, verse 38, where he said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
And this whole idea of being poured into your lap, scholars suggest, is uh, back in the day when they wore garments that kind of had long skirt-type flowing stuff, they had an outer garment. You could lift up the the fabric of your outer garment and hold it out as kind of a, a basket, and they could pour the grain or the product into your garment, and you could kind of close that up and carry it with you as your shopping basket, right? And so a, a generous merchant wouldn't just pour a little bit in. They'd, they'd pour it in, and you would shake it so it would, it would condense down. They, they would press it down. They would try and maximize how much you could get into that, that garment. It was being poured out into your lap. And, and Luke is saying here, this is the idea that God's desire, in a spiritual sense, is that, that we open ourselves to be people that are so generous that we're maximizing the love and the gifts that we're giving away so that it becomes overflowing. It's, be, it's so filled that it, we can't even contain it anymore. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is being poured out for you and for me and for everybody in such a generous amount. But if you come to God as a stingy person who, who, who doesn't come with an open heart, with full generosity and a full desire to see God's blessing in your life, you're not going to experience the, the overflowing generosity that God has for you. The measure you give will be the measure that you get. The kind of soil of your heart determines the the outcome of the seed of God in your life. Your ability to to shine the light of God like a lamp depends on whether you're wanting to hide it under a bushel or you're willing to open it up and say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You see, all of these kinds of things are woven into these parables, and Mark gathers them up to help us understand that Jesus has this overflowing generosity of the kingdom of God that is being poured out for us in our lives, but very few people are willing to come to him open-handed with our containers ready to be filled. That takes a certain kind of person who's willing to allow God to really pour into their lives in that way. See, the, the parable of the measure and the parable of the lamp refers to a way people and the, and the sower and the seed, people respond to God's word, to the seed that is sown and to the light that is revealed. Those who truly listen and hear well, Jesus is saying, will get more and more explanation and understanding of God's kingdom and God's word, and they'll have a greater and greater abundance of spiritual blessing in their lives. Those who hear but are not truly listening will find themselves continually struggling to see the kingdom of God and to understand God's working in their lives. They'll wonder, where is God? And is any of this stuff really real? It reminded me of Jesus' teaching when he says, you know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And he says, you don't have because you don't ask. We, we don't come to God truly wanting answers to our problems and our questions in a way that allows us to find encouragement and help and healing and wholeness. We just want God to be a, a fix-it guy, right? God, just make it go away. Just fix it. Just take it away from me. But we don't really come listening for God's true answer and God's plan to work his true kingdom and healing in our lives. In the larger context of this teaching in the parables, the, the parable about the lamp and the measure complement Jesus' explanation that he gave to his disciples about the parables. And the parable at the end section, if you want to take time this week to go through and, and sit with Jesus and listen to his teaching as you read through these parables and allow them to kind of soak into your heart and soak into your life as you ask the Spirit of Christ to reveal to you the deeper explanation that God may have for you. 
We understand that the growing seed that is cast on the earth and the the tiny little mustard seed that grows to be a large plant where many birds of the air find a home complement each other in developing this idea that the, the hiddenness of the kingdom of God is both a mystery, but like a seed when planted grows to become what it was designed to be, it's also an inevitable reality in this world. You see, the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ is, is like a little seed that was planted in the earth. But, but once that seed dies in the ground and germinates and comes to new life, it produces so much more than anybody could have imagined. Nobody could imagine looking at a tiny little mustard seed that's like the grain of a sand that it could produce this huge 10 to 12-foot plant, Right? The kingdom of God is the same way. How could this one man, Jesus Christ, be the answer to the problems of all humanity and the very world which God had made? In verses 33 and 34, they form a kind of conclusion and a summary of this section where Jesus, again, is teaching, says that Jesus taught them in many parables, but added the phrase, as much as they could understand. You see, Jesus doesn't expect us to get all of it all at once. We, we can understand a little bit now, but, but to those who are faithful in coming to Jesus and staying connected and seeking understanding, more and more will be given over time. The commitment that he explained everything to his disciples privately clarifies that we too have to come to Jesus as a true disciple, listening carefully for the voice of his spirit in our lives, allowing him to show us how the word of God applies to our current life situation so that we can understand how to follow him in this day and in our lives as well. Parables are the only form of language, Jesus says, that can capture appropriately this astounding mystery of the kingdom of God among us through Jesus Christ. But to understand them requires more than just intellectual comprehension. It requires submitting to Jesus as our teacher and as our Lord and allowing us ourselves to submit to God's word in our hearts. The message of Christ crucified who conquers the world remains a scandalous and foolish riddle to those who are unable to hear the word of God with understanding even today. So the question for you and me is, are you listening? Are you truly seeking God's voice and God's answer to the challenges and the problems of your life in this day and in this age? Just a a few quick lessons that I think that we can take away and apply to our lives personally from these parables and the explanation that Jesus gives for them. Number one is whatever's going on in your life, remember that God often works silently and in ways that are unseen to human eyes. We don't always comprehend or understand where God is at work, and we have to have faith and trust that he is present, that he's a good God, and he has our best interests at heart. Number two is that we can be certain that God's kingdom is at work in ways that we don't fully know. Because we know that God is a good God, and he gave us his son, Jesus, and confirmed that Jesus was his son by raising him from the dead, we too can know without a shadow of a doubt that that seed of God's word planted in our hearts will produce the fruit that God has intended because it doesn't come from our own efforts, right? That we, we, that's, that's one of the third, the third one is that we need to trust that it's not our efforts that produce the righteousness of God. It's allowing his word to take root in our lives and to fill us to overflowing, We need a special kind of faith to risk trusting our whole life to something that remains hidden to the world around us, don't we? 
If you think about it, we live in a culture that is so concerned about what other people think and what other people see and what our world values. It takes a special kind of faith, as Jesus is telling us through these parables, to bank your life on something that no one else can see. Don't think you're crazy. God has revealed that his kingdom is here, and he's revealed that to you because you've come to Jesus for explanation and understanding. And the last point of application I'd like to make for us today is we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus as genuine listeners, when we have ears to truly hear what Jesus wants to say to you and to me in our lives, we will receive understanding. God is a God who speaks. He is not silent. He has been speaking from the beginning of creation when he spoke this world into being. He spoke to to his children and the prophets and the people of Israel who, who recorded the story of his interaction with them. He spoke to Jesus and Jesus' disciples who recorded the story of the early church and his spirit has been poured out into our lives and continues to speak to us today. Are we truly listening? The seed grows without our assistance, yet Jesus doesn't intend us to be passive and inactive Christians. We're called to be his witnesses, to tell this ongoing story of the presence and power of the kingdom of God in our lives. I kind of went through and and, and tried to write a little summary sentence for each section of of these 34 verses, and, and I'll wrap up with that today. It might read in summary form, prepare the soil of your heart. Come to Jesus and listen to him in order to learn and to gain understanding. Like a lamp on the stand, that which is hidden will be revealed. To those who have understanding, even more will be given. And there is unseen power of God's word at work in your life to accomplish God's will. And you can take that to the bank. Seemingly insignificant beginnings will produce unexpected results in your life and in my life if we give ourselves to truly listen to Jesus. Amen? Let's be listeners and let's pray.